Welcome to Positive Talk Radio. Our goal is simple, to explore evolving ideas one conversation at a time. So stay with us as right now we present. And good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the show. We've got a great author for you to talk to today. And he is um, he's a career guy. He's been working in in uh, in assisting insurance people and and risk management and stuff like that. He's also an author. And one of the reasons I wanted to have him on the show is because, number one, he's written uh, four books in the not too distant past. And he also wants to help other people and budding authors. If you have got this, <laughs> I was going to say itch in your pants, but that's not correct. If you if you, if you have a, if you have an itch, I don't know, behind your ear or something that, that and you want to be an author and you need to scratch that itch, he can help you with that. So, so we're going to talk about all of that. His his name is uh, uh, Sloan McQuiston, and welcome to the show, sir. How are you? I'm doing great, Kevin. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm very honored to be part of your show. Well, I well, thank you. I I have to learn to accept that with you know just accept it as it's offered and and say well thank you very much. That's awfully nice of you, um, because it's important that. Uh, but you see. One of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the show is that I like to talk to people about not only what they're doing now, and in your case, you're a successful guy, you've been doing it for the last 38 years, but also that when you're done with that, you're not going to be done. You, you're going to morph that into a, a brand new passion, a brand new career, and it's going to be successful. And I, I just think it's great to talk to people like like you. So add to hold you up as a shining example of what other people can do as well. Well, thank you. I, I'm not sure I'm the shining example, but hey, <laughs> let's let's find out, huh? Well, you know, anybody that uh, let me tell you tell you a story. My my dad was a, a executive for Nordstrom, and that's what he did. He didn't. Um, never he played golf but he never really developed a lot of outside interests or passions and so when his career at nordstrom's was over and he was no longer mr mcdonald now he was just jack um he lost his identity so he didn't do anything to continue his passion or to yeah. develop a new passion which would have been i don't know really a good idea and we we talked to him about that a lot he never did and so I'm encouraging people that just because you're, and you're a perfect example of this, just because you've been working in an industry for 38 years and you're going to retire at some point, that doesn't mean that you're done. You're just transitioning to a new passion of yours. And so that's that's why I wanted to have you on. And in addition to the fact that I love your books. Well, thank you very much. And I couldn't agree with you more. Um, I, I think most successful people, always have something productive going on, right? Uh, sometimes it doesn't pay all that well, like when they retire, they might do something, you know, it doesn't pay as well as they did, but it's something they enjoy. They stay productive with, it helps, keeps them engaged. It keeps their mind working. And I think that's really important for people. It's important when you're young and it's certainly important as you age and as you decide to get out of that career that you've spent so many years in to find something else to keep yourself productive. 
When was it that you decided that you wanted to write? Was it, was it years and years ago and you said, oh, I'll get around to it eventually? Or did it was it an itch that you needed to scratch relatively recently? Yeah, it's a little of both. Now, I had an idea for the first book, which is called The Drop-Off. I had that idea about 15 or 20 years ago. And I thought, you know, maybe I'll write a book. But I had never had a burning desire to be an author. But the more I thought about the story, the more it just became, I, I need to tell this story, right? I need to write it. And so the first goal was to start, right? And I think that's how most authors are. They, they, they think about it, they think about it, but until they set that goal of, you know, let me just start. And, and, and then once I started, it, it went pretty well. Uh, the, the work flowed well. I really liked the way the story shaped up. I let my wife read it. She she was my first beta reader. And so she she read it. And she said, man, this is pretty interesting. You know, and then it was over. She's like, I really like that. How are you going to get that published? And I was like, you got to be kidding me. Right. I mean, the goal was to start. Then the goal <laughs> became to finish. And it's like publish. Hey, have you lost your mind? And so I talked with the only person I knew who had a book out and she was like, oh, yeah, self-publishing is the way to go. And I've got some folks who can help you. And so I, I talked with the folks at 40 Day Publishing, 40daypublishing.com, fantastic people. Uh, and they are my publishing consultant, so, although I, I'm self-published, but they're my publishing consultant. So they help me with editing. They help me with book covers. They help me with formatting, all those little things that. As a starting author, you're like, I need to do what? I need to include what? Right? They, they got all that stuff for you. So it, it is super helpful. So, so it's kind of a blend, right? I had an idea for a story, but I was never like, oh, I got to be an author. Right? It, it just kind of worked that way. And once you write that first book, and man, when you're holding that first book in your hand, and it's got your name on it, and it's your words, <laughs> it's just awesome. It's just fantastic. You're like, this, this is where it's at. Uh, whether anybody reads this or not, I am a success, right? I did it. And then people started reading it. I got some nice reviews back. People commented on it. And then I was just hooked. <laughs> you know? And so, so now this is what you're going to do when you are no longer being in risk management and, and you're going to leave your company and, and, but you're going to retire and not retire. I hate the word retire, by the way. Yeah. It, it, it's, that should probably call it transition. That's right? perfect. Yes. And for a lot of folks, like for my dad, uh, when he retired, he, he didn't work again. Now his brother, my uncle, was exactly the opposite. He retired from like three different companies. <laughs> and, and until he was almost 90, he continued to work. He was a realtor. And that was his last career was as a realtor. But my dad never did. He stayed busy with a lot of different projects, which was great. But he never did anything that actually made money. And his brother, my uncle, did. He just found little little things that he wanted to do. And he made a little money, not much, but a little finally ended in real estate where he could just be engaged with people, sold a few homes, helped some people, you know, find their, their dream home kind of thing. And, you know, until he couldn't do it anymore, he did it. 
doesn't validate you when you can be a meaningful contributor to the economics of the planet as well as the the things that are, you, that are being put out there isn't isn't that really an important part of later on in life oh absolutely i think absolutely uh in my first book the drop off uh it, it, it it's the story of a 5 year old who's dropped off with his 99 year old grandfather and you eventually find out why and you find out the finally family dynamics that led to it and this and that but in chapter one, the old man is talking to the five-year-old and he goes, Nigel, there's four things that everybody needs to be happy. I mean, you know, it is, he's a five-year-old. So the five-year-old's like, oh, sure, whatever, grandpa, right? <laughs> but he's like, they need to be, be productive, right? Whatever that looks like, you need to be productive. You need to be respected, right? For what you've done and what you can do. You need somebody to love and somebody love you, and then you just need to be left the hell alone, <laughs> right? You, you don't want a bunch of intrusive government. You don't want an intrusive church. You don't want it, right? And, and the point being, you need that opportunity to grow. And, and I just, I love that. I've used that in um, presentations that I've given before. And I think it's true to, you know, to your point, Kevin, just finding something in life where you can feel productive. Hey, if you can make a little money, that's awesome. Right. But, but just feeling like you're contributing to society, it makes all the difference in the world. You know, at one point in time, I, and I still will do it today. If somebody asks me, I had something called family legacies, which is I would interview people that were older uh, that were maybe in a rest home or, or assisted living uh, and their families would have me do it because they wanted to know and have for the future generations, the story behind these individuals lives. And I thought it was just a really cool idea. And so I was doing it. And then it dawned on me because I was having trouble getting these older people to want to do it. And, and, uh, I, one son came to me and he said, you've got to do my dad, please do my dad. So I went and took my stuff and went to his house and, um, his assisted living place. And, um, I started talking to him and he said, no, you know, I'm old. My, my story has no value and, and stuff. And so we got into it and, and it turns out that he was on, George Patton's staff during World War II as he's going across uh, uh, Europe, um, you know, like gangbusters to take down Hitler. And he knew Patton. He knew uh, all of the plans. He, he could speak about it all. And then he came back to the States and went to Hollywood and had a relationship of two guys you may have heard of, Bob Hope and Bing Crosby. And yet he was telling me he had nothing. He was not special in any way, shape, or form. And it's just, it appalled me that people at the end of their life think that their life had no value. Yeah, uh, it's a great segue into my first book, The Drop-Off, because the old man really sees this as an opportunity to tell his stories, right? And he's got a story about pirates, you know, not, not pirates, from from old but like modern day pirates these were drug pirates that he ran into while he was cruising the caribbean no one ever believed him 
And so he uses this as an opportunity to tell his five-year-old step-grandson. And I think there's a lot of people out there with fantastic stories to tell. And if you're not a writer, there are tons of ghost writers that do exactly that kind of thing, memoirs, right? And so they just exactly like what you did. They'll talk with folks, get a bunch of details. They'll start a book for them. They get to read it. And, and together, they shape those memoirs into a story. And, and at the end, you've got a fantastic book about somebody that, you know, on the surface, nobody would know anything about. But what a great story he hung out with. Patton and then Bob Hope and Bing Crosby. Now, Bob Hope has to have some good stories. You know, you're bad. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, and and it just it just boggles my mind because, you know, had he not done that, he would have. And I'm sure he's this was 20 years ago, so I'm sure he's passed on now. And that story would have left with him. Yeah. And never and never would have never would have surfaced. Nobody would know it. It would. And those are the sorts of things, our legacy and our, the memories of who we are and the experiences that we had. Those are so important. Yes. Yeah. Everybody's story is important to somebody else. Uh, everybody's a hero to somebody, right? Sometimes you don't know you're a hero to them, but you are. The things you do, the things you say, the kindness you show them, whatever, right? You can be that hero. And so uh, I think that's why so many people get into writing. Yeah. Right? They've got a story and, and they just want to tell it. And that is success for them, right? They, they know they're not going to become a best-selling author, or maybe they do become one, but that was never the plan. The plan was simply to tell the story. That's And that is an important piece of why we are here, is, is, is to leave our gener generations next to come that, that of what we sounded like, uh, what we talk like, you know, the other thing I'm, because I'm, I'm an audio guy. I've been blessed. I interviewed my dad, um, a month and a half before he passed away. And so at his memorial service, I, I gave, I gave the organist a tape or a CD. And I said, when I get up to speak, I want you to play this. And he said, what is it? And I said, you'll see. And, uh, the pastor said the same, said, you gave the organist something and said, yeah, I would like them to play it when I speak. And, uh, and he said, what is it? And I said, you'll see. And so what it was, was I had taken that interview and, and, and edited it down to about a seven minute thing of how he met my mom, how he grew up in his own voice, in his own words, talking about, and, and then we played it, while I in between my 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 talk, and it there wasn't a dry eye a dry eye in the house because that's what he sounded like. That's who he was, and and stuff. So it's it's really important, and that's a long way for me to say that if you are interested in being an author, if you want to do it, I I think that you should contact this fine gentleman because you have told me that you'll help people. I absolutely will. Absolutely, you can meet me. Uh, you can contact me through my website, sloanmcquiston.com. So pretty simple to remember there. Uh, I've got an email set up on that, sloanmcquiston at, at gmail.com, right? And that's exactly where it goes. 
it, it's not that difficult. Uh, every, every writer has a slightly different process. My process is to start by just mapping out my ideas, right? In high school, we called this an outline. Uh, some people get turned off by that. So uh, call it whatever you want. It doesn't matter. But just start with your main ideas. What are the points of your story, right, that, that you want to tell? And just one or two sentences, maybe not even, maybe just a word, right? Maybe it's just faith. Maybe it's family. And then under that, you can start filling in some more details, right? As you talk about family, well, what is it I want to talk about family, right? Do I want to talk about our struggles? Do I want to talk about our successes, right? In my case, it was what stories does the main character, Steve, in the drop-off want to tell? In the risk manager, it was a series of events, right, that led to, um, you know, the ending and, and, and all that sort of stuff. So you, you hit these highlights and then you start filling in some of the details and then you look at them and you go, does that look like the right order that I want to tell the story in? Because maybe I want to start towards the end. Maybe I want to start towards the middle and bounce back and forth. Or maybe you want to tell it all chronologically. Right. And then once you have that, you've got the whole book. You just got to fill in the details now. So each one of those is like a chapter and you just start writing that chapter. The value of having the outline is once you start writing, you're going to get lost in the detail. And then once you finish that chapter or you finish that thought, you're going to go, wow, that was really good. Where am I? That outline tells you where you are. It keeps you in line with, okay, I finished this. Now I'm ready to go on to the other one, right? Maybe you need to write a couple of lines of transition. Maybe not. It just depends on the story, the way you want to tell it. And, And you made a great point earlier, Kevin, when you talked about perspective, right? Um, as a loss control consultant and a risk manager, part of what I do is uh, investigate workplace accidents. Well, you can have three or four people see the exact same thing and they all have a different perspective on it. So even the same story, right? Hanging out with Patton, hanging out with Bob Hope, five or six, maybe 50 people were there and every single one of them will have a different perspective on what happened and why it happened. And right. so your perspective on things, that's what you bring as a writer. And, and, and you can make that into what you want. That's why I like writing fiction is because I can make the details fit what I want them to be. I can create characters to be exactly what I want them to be, as opposed to writing nonfiction where you're, you're probably supposed to stick with the facts. So you, you can add some facts in fiction, but then when the facts aren't exactly what you want, well, you just make them up. Yeah, exactly. So did you, when you were a kid, did you have like a real active imagination? Did people say to you in school, pay attention, pay attention, quit looking out the window. People do that to me now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I, I, I mean, I was a good student, but yes, I had an active imagination. I'm the youngest of four siblings. Right. So there was always something going on, you know, and we certainly didn't grow up rich, but we didn't grow up poor. Uh, so you at times you had to make your own fun. You know, your brothers didn't want to play with you or whatever. So you just kind of had to make 
make things up. But yeah, I would say I had a fairly active imagination and still do today. Yeah, now, were you the youngest? I am the baby, yes. Me, me too. And my mom used to say uh, before she passed, well, you know, your dad wasn't too upset when they found out they were pregnant with me. So, you know, you know <laughs> I hope that wasn't the case in your family, that you were planned and it was all going to be great and all that stuff. I, You know what? I'm sure it was. So <laughs> that's my story and I'm sticking with it. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> And so, uh, by the way, we we're talking to Sloan McQuiston and go to SloanMcQuiston.com and you can find out all about his books. Um, what is the uh, risk manager? The last one that came out? Actually, I just finished the final one in the Nigel Manning series. So there's the drop off, the deliberate guardian and the destroyer. Now, in between the deliberate guardian and the destroyer, I, I did the risk manager. So, um, you know, when you talk about an active imagination, I have a bad tendency when I'm writing a book to fall in love with some obscure character that I dreamed up out of nowhere. <laughs> and, and then I want to explore that character. So I want to I, I'm like, OK, I'm done with this book. Let me explore this character. And it was it was kind of the same way uh, when I wrote the drop off. I wrote I, I needed a character who was an Uber driver, because you got a 99-year-old and a five-year-old. Neither one of them should be driving. Right. <laughs> so in the story, I just needed them to go somewhere. So I, I dreamed up this, this Uber driver. And the more I talked about the Uber driver, the more I fell in love with the character. And so the second book is based primarily on that Uber driver, Zamir. And then oh, wow. as a part of Zamir's backstory... Uh, I talked about his family, his sister, and part of his backstory growing up in uh, Africa, the, the um, um, Democratic Republic of the Congo, which when he was there was called Zaire. And, and so I just kind of fell in love with that story, and I, I made it a focal point in the third book. Now, do you understand that what you do is kind of special? Because I could no more do that than fly to the moon. I mean, I can sit here and talk to you all day long, but I can't, there is not a prayer that I can keep my, um, that I can keep putting together, even if I had an outline, putting together and having it go chronologically the way it's supposed to and have it be interesting. Because I, I can't think up, like you, th you thought up an Uber driver that was from Africa and it, it, it became a full-blown character that yeah. was a that was a complete book. You, you'd be amazed how easy it is. Um, part of my process is, and, and I think this is true of, of all writers, as you go through your story, even though you have it outlined, you run into problems and you're like, uh, I need to get from here to here and I don't know how to do it, right? And what I do is I just start writing. I've discovered that if I'll just start writing, the answer will come to me. And, and as you start writing who the character is, you start writing dialogue between characters, then an idea pops into your head and you go, oh, that'll work. <laughs> right. And so you just write yourself out of the problem. Now, some of that stuff you've got to get rid of because you've babbled on for a while and you go, well, I didn't really fit. So you, you end up wiping that out. But you you find that transition. And I know it sounds like magic. And, I, and one of my best friends, he's the same way. He's like, oh, I could never do that. And I'm like, yeah, 
you can because you do it every day in real life, right? You, you don't dream stuff up, but you find a way to solve a problem, right? Regardless of what that problem is, whether it's a work problem, it's a problem at home with a family, whatever it is. And so the process isn't as difficult as it sounds, but I do appreciate you saying I'm special. And I think you mean it in a good way. I do. Like some of my teachers were in school and they went, oh, you're special. No, no, you were you weren't you were never having to be in the short bus is what we used to call it. Yeah, no, uh, I never did have to ride the short bus. No. And uh, but but when I say you're special, it's because now I've taken recently I've taken to writing little shorts based oh, yeah. upon little ideas that I've accumulated over time in talking to a ton of different people from their perspectives. And so I'm using using that and then um, I'm sending it to my um, assistants who puts video and stuff like that with it. And they're actually really, they're, they're good and they're, they're being accepted. So I can do that. But as, as far as creating a, 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 a character and all that kind of stuff, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, that's all that writing is, man. It's putting together those, those short pieces uh, and, and you start stringing them together. Now, I have a lot of respect for people who can write a short story. Because I can't, I'm wordy, right? Oh. And uh, when I listen to lyrics from songs, I'm stunned at how much they can get in in 50 or 60 words, right? Yeah. It, it's really amazing. That is a true art form, lyrics, right? Uh, just telling that story, putting it to a rhythm, and, and you don't have a lot of words to use. A lot of them get repeated right in the chorus and this and that, but that's writing. Yeah. Yeah. One of my, one of my favorite songs of all time. Um, but when my brother had, had uh, stage four lung cancer and uh, three days before he passed, um, are you from now you're from, where are you from? Are you from the South? <laughs> well, I was bright. I was born in Oklahoma and I lived there for the first 30 years. And then I've been in Texas for the for the second 30 years. I don't know how you guys do it down there because I went to, uh, I was a traveling salesman for a while. Yes. And uh, um, I was staying in a hotel in um, Fort Smith, Arkansas. It was, a, it was a Hampton Inn. And you know, when you, you are watching TV and the, in the corner of the, of the TV, there's these little um, place for, for counties. Yes. When they have the counties there because there's a tornado watch that's, that's around the counties and stuff. And then it's dark and it's raining like hell and it's loud. I don't know how you guys ever sleep down there. It just amazes me. <laughs> yeah, that happens about once a month. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And it was like, I didn't know what county I was in. I didn't. And, and then the, the screen went red. And they said, if if you're in Washington County, go downstairs now. And it's like, I had to call the front desk. By the way, what county are we in? <laughs> I bet they were like, why would you want to know that? Yeah, it's like you might as well just take it. And, and if, if you get flattened, you get flattened. I, I, so I admire you guys. But uh, um, where was I going with that? I, I can't remember now. Um, but it was it's, it's interesting that. Uh, um, the, the the things that you guys had to do in the south that that we don't that I don't have any idea about. So 
Yeah, you're in you're in Seattle, right? Yep. We don't yep. got nothing here. You got snakes. You got spiders. You got. Yeah, we we got don't got that. nothing. Yeah. You you guys have uh, temperatures that range from fifty to seventy. Correct. And rain and a little bit of sunshine. Yes. That's. <laughs> I don't know how you do that. <laughs> I I have to have some change in weather, and I have to have a lot of sunshine. It's, 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 it's funny. I was, uh, when I was working for this company in Arkansas, uh, a couple of guys flew into Portland and I picked them up from Portland and was going to take them to Seattle because we had a conference in Seattle. And one of the guys is now in, in going up I five, um, in Washington, it's green. It's, it's beautiful. It's, it's real green. It's hilly and all that kind of stuff. And he was sitting there in the, in the passenger seat going, you mean to tell me that that in there woods, there's nothing that's gonna hurt you and the bite you and stuff? And I said, well, we've got an occasional bear or something, but no, nothing. I said, you mean that there's no ticks and chiggers and stuff like that there? And I said, no, don't have any of those. I had no idea what a chigger was until uh, one of the gals told me, uh, yeah, it's nasty if you get, oh, if you get yeah. If you yeah. get triggers, you have to take a like a bleach bath or something. Sort it's of. yeah, triggers are they're a curse of the South for sure. <laughs> so, so I was, you know, so I made it a rule I would only stay in the second floor or higher of a hotel in Siloam Springs, Arkansas. But then I was playing golf with a guy, and a June bug landed on me, and I thought I was being attacked by an eagle or something. It was huge <laughs> and loud. <laughs> very very loud <laughs> yes it, that guy that guy laughed at me for 10 minutes i said oh, yes i'll bet he did i'll bet he did. I, I screamed like a little girl <laughs> so i but anyway i i i really i really appreciate you you being here and helping people if somebody wants really honestly if they're serious i don't want anybody to waste your time but if somebody's really serious about getting some help and and figuring out how to do this. How, how do they get a hold of you again? Uh, go to my website, sloanmcquiston.com. And there, uh, up, at the, up on, the, on the banner up there, it says contact. And so you click on that, just shoot me an email and go, hey, Sloan, I'm interested in writing a book about X, Y, Z, whatever it is. Um, give me some advice or whatever. And I'll, I'll shoot them back an email. I'll give them my phone number. If they want to call me, if we want to arrange a time to do a virtual meeting, kind of like what we're doing here, right? I'm happy to do that. Uh, I think most independent authors are because somebody did that for us at some point. Yeah. And so we're willing to, to pay it forward, right? It's really paying it back, but, it sounds better to say paying it forward. <laughs> no, it, it, no, it really is paying it forward. And speaking of which, I'm noticing that you've got some plaques in, in your background there. Are these are these awards that you have been? Um, um, those are, I, let me look. I mean, you know, you decorate your own office and you don't remember what it is once it up. You see it every day. You don't pay any attention to it. Uh, that one's a diploma from Texas A&M. Uh -huh. And this one over here is my bachelor's diploma, and then that's a, my my other master's degree. So I've got I've got two master's degrees. You're a double PhD? No, not, a, not a doctorate, but two yes. masters. Are you? Yeah, are, I'm, too, are, I'm too lazy to get a PhD. <laughs> I, I my when I went to A and M, my goal was to get um, my PhD, 
And then I found out how much work was involved. And I was like, that ain't happening. I mean, yeah, I, I have a ton of respect for people who go through a doctoral program. It, it is not for the faint of heart. So you, anybody that does it, you've got my respect. Well, I'll tell you what, dude, anybody that can do what you've done and have a couple of master's degree and, and so you, 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 you are, you're not chopped liver yourself, my friend. Well, thank you, Kevin. You, you honor me. So I, and I appreciate that. So what you do is important too. And I have to say you, you have a fabulous voice. I'm sure you've been told that before, right? Which which is why you do a lot of radio. Um, but you just you just have a great radio voice and that's a gift and, and using that, you know, to help people and get them motivated and, and show them so many different possibilities that are out there. Uh, that's that's good work, man. That's good stuff. Well, I, I, I truly appreciate it. And I've, I've been told, you know, it all started when I was um, an assistant manager at, at a restaurant and it was it was in the morning and I was counting the money. Um, and the manager called and I was talking to her on the phone and she goes, and it never dawned on me before, but she said, you know, you've got a great radio voice. And I said, Oh, really? Oh, well, thanks. Didn't things didn't act on it for years, but then, but then in my early forties, I, and then I still didn't recognize it. And, but it's better now, you know, sometimes things are better with age. And in my case, I, I had one lady call me and say, I'd listen to you read the phone book. <laughs> okay. Whatever. Whatever. Appreciate the, appreciate the, the thoughts. So yeah, I, I appreciate the compliment. I, 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 you're probably the only one that would listen to that, but thank you anyway. Exactly. Exactly. Although the one thing that I do do occasionally is I do, uh, um, uh, voice work for, to, take a, a novel into uh to do um an audiobook oh yeah yeah oh i could see yeah and that's an art form too that really is and that, that's that's difficult to do it um far more it, difficult than people think it is it, it is because you, you you have to write it then you have to edit it and then you have to make sure first of all you have to read the dang thing yeah so that you know what the story is yeah, you probably have to. You probably end up reading it multiple times. Yeah, because you have to know, the, and you have to know the characters. What would their voice sound like? How yeah. should they? How should they present themselves? Are they quirky? Are they what? Do, you know what? Do, you know. So it yeah, it takes a long time, and they don't get paid. Um, they get they get paid okay, but to do it really really well, it they don't get paid enough to do that. No, it's. It, it's a lot more work than it appears. If you've ever just read out loud to yourself, to your children, to your dog, whatever, doing that without making a mistake, even for two sentences, is more difficult than it sounds. Yeah. But then yeah. reading the book, making sure you're pausing enough between sentences, but not too much, so that they can edit that, right? And then it there's a lot to it. And well, so see, I, I got a lot of respect for people who, who do those audio books. They, see, they, what I do is I, I, I do the book and I also edit it. So I'll, oh read, I'll read like a page and then I'll edit the page and go on to the next page. But there's 300 pages yes. in most novels. And there's a ton of editing to do on the back end. Yes. 
And if, and yeah, it's, 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 it can be tough. It can be tough, but yeah. So, so I got a lot of, of respect for that. Of your books, which is your favorite? I got to ask. Oh, that's, you know, that's a, that's a really good question and a tough one to answer. Is that kind of like saying, which is my favorite kid? Yeah, it's kind of like that. Um, but I, but since, you know, they're inanimate and they can't, um, you know, throw me in a hole, I can actually answer it. Um, I, I think the risk manager is probably my favorite. I like the stories. I like the richness of the characters. I really like uh, that I intermingled real places in central Texas, the Austin area in, in the hill country where I lived for 15 years. I love the way I was able to weave real places into the story. And then in, in the last review I got, which was like three days ago on it, the uh, reviewer said they really appreciated at the end. And this is the first time I've done it. I put a list of the places that were list that were in the book. And I said, if they're real, if they're uh, something I dreamed up and if they're real, how do I know about them? Right. Like like one of them is a restaurant that um, it's the Steiner steakhouse and my boss when i lived in austin who owned the company he was a partner in it. him and bobby steiner put it together and bobby steiner is a world famous uh bull rider and so you know i could look up the history of, of bobby steiner and only put in the things that were true and i left kelly's name out of it completely um because Bobby was far more of a, a rich character, you know? And, and so it was just a lot of fun to be able to put that kind of stuff in it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, of course your first book's one of your favorites because it was the first one you ever did. But then as you progress as a writer, you go back and go, Ooh, that, you know, that maybe wasn't written all that well. I was going <laughs> to ask you about that because I've been told that, as you go down this process, and it clearly is a process. Oh, yeah. Um, that your first book isn't as good or as well written as your second and so forth and so on. Until yeah. you, because you, because it's like anything else, you're just getting your art form now. Yeah, you just get better. You get more refined. You, you're able to uh, focus more of what you want to say and say it a little more concisely or the way you wanted to, right? Sometimes especially on that first one, you're like, Oh, how's my audience going to receive this? You know, should I, should I put some sex in the book? Should I not put some sex in the book? Should I use slang? How much, you know, curse words should I put in? Should I not put in any? And as you go along, you become more comfortable with what the answers to those questions are and do they fit this character? And I put that in there, but I try to make it relate to the character not just put it in there to be gratuitous, but to make it fit who the person is and, and make those actions tell the story of the character. So I, I gotta, I gotta ask you, have you, have you ever done a steamy scene in one of your books and then have like a relative read it and say, how'd you know about that? Yes. In the first book, my, my daughter won't read my books because of the first one. There's there's a pretty and it was way more explicit before it got cut. There's a fairly explicit uh, sex scene in the first and I think it's the first chapter. 
Uh, she read that and she stopped. <laughs> I was like, baby, it's one scene. You're a grown woman. Really? And she, <laughs> she's like, I'm done. How old is she? <laughs> okay. How old was she at the time? Like 23. <laughs> oh, come on. She was just embarrassed. Yeah. She knows all about that stuff. Well, and she's living with the guy who's now her husband. So, yeah. But I think it was just coming from her dad. Uh-huh. That it was that. Yeah. So, yeah. And I, one of my friends, he still busts my chops a little bit uh, and goes, hey, I, I think more of that book's autobiographical than you'll let on. <laughs> and I'm like, no, no, it's not. So, well, yeah, sometimes that happens. And um, I think one of the greatest quotes is, is from that I know is from Stephen King. And he said, if you want to write the truth, your time in polite society is limited. <laughs> that is that is so true. Yeah, because it, it doesn't matter what you write or how you write it. Someone's going to be offended by it. That's the society we live in. Right. And so just as you progress in your writing, you become more comfortable with the way you say things and the way you want to say things. And the way you and, and that's part of character development, right? It's like I want to say this, so I gotta find a character that I'm comfortable saying it through. Have you ever thought about doing a screenplay? I actually I, I'm kind of working on one for the risk manager. Through 40 day publishing, I met a young man who graduated a year or so ago from USC film school. And he read the book and he said, man, I love it. I'd love to work in Texas. I would love to do this book. But we need a screenplay and we need some money. And I said, well, I ain't got either. So <laughs> I don't know where we're going to end on this. And so I, I, I said, well, hey, if I was to write this screenplay for this, what would be the best software? And he told me what it was. So I, I bought it for a couple hundred bucks. It's pretty cheap. And it's fairly self-explanatory. And I started on it, but I haven't really gone that far with it uh, because in the meantime, I was finishing up um, The Destroyer and then I'm working on uh, my next book, which is kind of an apocalyptic book. And the working title is Hopelessly Human. That, that only took like eight months to come up with. Two words, eight months. <laughs> It, the, the hardest part for most most authors, and this is true of me, is writing the synopsis on the back page. You've got 100 words or less, and you've got to write what you spent the last three, four, five, six months writing, right? 100,000-ish, 120,000 words. Well, I got to just knock it down to somewhere between 50 and 75. <laughs> that is brutally difficult for me to do. Oh, I, I, I can Brutally imagine. difficult. I can only imagine. See now, the risk manager. I can see that book being a the basis for because risk management. When you're in the corporate setting, um, you you could have death, destruction, and mayhem within the course of and and cust and companies that were not taking care of their employees and and guys that and then have to research the death of these. It'd be like CSI and and it could be Texas CSI and risk management. There you go. I love I love where you're going. And if we have any directors listening, feel free to hit me up. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Because that could be that could be a uh, a weekly series. It's like 
We were actually uh, the gentleman I was talking to. Uh, I said, do you think this would be better as a movie or a series? And he goes, well, as in depth as we could go with it, it would. I said, I think we'd be far better off with a series. Right. Do oh, yeah. like 10 one hour episodes, 50 minutes to one hour episodes. Right. As opposed to a two hour movie. Um, well, you know, the, the thing is, it's kind of like uh, um, in, in one of the airports around the world somewhere r- relatively recently. And this is if you're not familiar with what a risk manager does is he goes and investigates weird things that happen on the job sites to make sure everybody well, that's part of it. Yes. Yes. Well, th- there was one about a guy got sucked into the jet engine of, of the airplane and mm-hmm. obviously was was killed so that would be you know a csi version let's see there's his hand that's his finger oh oh, there's there's his hand over there oh yeah that would that was nasty that would be a nasty mess but there's there's way more ramifications to that too right because now you've got this jet engine that you have to tear apart and see if it's damaged because at at the speed that those blades turn it, it, it and there's a there's an account that I used to to have down in San Marcos, Texas, and they make blades for jet engines. If it begins to delaminate at all, and they're 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 fiberglass is what they are. If they begin to delaminate at five hundred thousand RPM, it's catastrophic, right? Think about the momentum of something turning two, three, four hundred, five hundred thousand uh, revolutions a minute. If just a tiny bit of it starts to come apart the speed that it leaves that with and hits that next blade, it just destroys it. And so now you've got a jet engine at 40 or 50,000 feet in the air that just all because, because one little blade after a certain period of time began to delaminate. And once it starts, it's over with, I mean, it just, well, then that's why bird strikes are so, but such a, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. They, They go through there and they chop up those blades. I mean, you know, it doesn't do the bird much good. Um, but, but then you've got to go, oh, my gosh, you know, you've got to take that that thing in and the mechanics have got to completely go through that engine. That plane is out of service for, you know, however long it takes. And so it's it's that chain of events that goes along. And part of that I talk about in the book, there are a lot of actual risk management techniques and um, some real risk management in the book, even though it's it's a novel. But I was able to to weave in uh, a lot of really important risk management concepts and and thoughts on it, along with leadership, too. Right. When I'm talking about one of the main characters, Jim Williams, who's a sociopath, but he but he's he's great because he's also an awesome leader. And you talk about, okay, he does this at the in his head. He's going, I want to choke you to death. Right. But outward, he's like, well, I really appreciate that, you know, and it, and he, he does that because good leaders do blah, 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 blah. And so it's fun to be able to write those leadership principles while at the same time saying in their head, oh, my God, you're driving me crazy. Why are you a member of my staff? You're an idiot. Right? <laughs> those internal thoughts you get to express. But at the same time, you, you're, you're given some pretty good leadership concepts. So it's a lot of fun to write that stuff. So when you're writing, does every character that you create and and flesh out and and make three dimensional, 
is it really kind of based on somebody you've met in your life or some of is most of this just absolutely fantasy? Um, no, it's, it's typically based on a conglomerate of people uh, like in the risk manager. Uh, Jim Williams is uh, the main character is rock Cartwright. He is the risk manager. His boss is Jim Williams. Well, that character is based on probably a half dozen guys I've known. Uh, a couple of them probably, though they certainly had some sociopathic tendencies. But Jim is one of those guys, and I, I think I describe him in this. He's the kind of guy you just can't hate. He's good looking. He's charismatic. He's funny. He's engaging. He's charming. And even though you know he's full of crap most of the time, you just can't not like him. And I used to work with a guy like that. It turns out he embezzled a bunch of money from the company. Uh, the FBI was looking out for him. And so he, but he was the same way. He was just the kind of guy that you just loved. You just wanted to be around. He was fun, but he was a crook. <laughs> so, so that's part of it. And, and I think most, most authors write what they know. Yeah. Right. Even in fantasy and sci-fi books, I think a lot of those characters are based off things that they've 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 thought about or real life scientific principles that exist. Right. They just they kind of take them way out there. But, yeah, I think most authors write what they know and people that they know. You do have to be careful about being too real about it uh, because then it kind of looks like slander and libel. So you, you want to avoid that. Yes, indeed. And and having it be a combination of a dozen guys will keep you safe. I there you add. go. Exactly. Uh, uh, yeah. So, by the way, we've been talking to Sloan McQuiston. Go to his website, which is Sloan McQuiston. McQuiston. Say your last name for me, please. McQuiston. McQuiston. Thank you so much, sir. And uh, um, It's a fine um, Scottish name. It is a fine Scottish name, but yeah, I'm Irish anyway. So anyway, so um, it's been a pleasure talking to you, sir. Is there anything you'd like to add to, to to our audience or to say to our audience now or the ones that are listening in the future about anything at all, anything you'd like to know, them to know? I think I'd just like to say if you've ever thought about writing a book, give it a try. Uh, the world of self-publishing is is such that you can do it pretty cheap. Um, if you're willing to take the time, Amazon has all the tutorials on their website that, that you literally can, can do it all through their website. Now, there's a little bit of care and feeding and learning on that. But even if you don't want to publish it, just going through the motions and the work and knowing you've completed it, it's a feeling that's second to none. And I promise you, if I can do it, anyone can. I highly doubt that, but that's between you and me. And uh, but anyway, it's kind of it's kind of like if you uh, well, there was a gal I talked to recently that um, ran a marathon for the first time. It's like I said, you ran twenty three miles on purpose all at the same time. She said, "Yeah," I, I, and it was a great achievement for her. For me, it would have been like you know, I'd be dead. But that's beside the point. But in any event, that works for, for 
other people find your passion live your passion this is mine you're the author live your passion and live your best life because you deserve it quite frankly everybody does you're exactly right and success is measured by you not the people around you right so whether your book sells whether you publish it whether you don't the success is in the accomplishment i would have been proud if just having your wife if it was my wife tell me this is a really good thing that you did um that would that would have made the whole thing worthwhile it it did that alone made it worth the effort and and she says i'm sure she's gee whiz sloan didn't didn't know he had it in you but it worked out were you were you there when she said that (laughs) that was kind of it that you 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 summed it up pretty well well, you know, I was married once, and then anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, thank you so much, Sloan McQuiston. Go get, go to his website, get his books. Um, I think that you'll enjoy them greatly. And uh, and if you want to talk to him directly, go to sloanmcquiston.com and uh, and contact him and say, "I want to be a writer, and I don't know how. Help me," and and maybe he'll help you a little bit. I will happily help you. And you're a good man. And thank you for thank you for being here. By the way, you came to me via Podmatch, didn't you? Yes, that's correct. Yes. And uh, by the way, if if you are a um, somebody who wants to get on podcasts, or if you're a podcaster that wants to get on podcasts or whatever, Podmatch is a great place to go. They 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 I think they do a, a really nice job. They do. They do a really good job. The the um, website's pretty easy to navigate. And um, when you fill your information in, they, they, their algorithms try and match you with people and they matched me with you. So, and it worked out. And I think you, I hope, I hope I didn't suck too badly, but I think it worked out well. So, <laughs> well, I, I, I hope I didn't suck too badly either. Uh, I know you didn't. <laughs> We're in a mutual non-suck society. Well, <laughs> you can even say that, but so, sir, thank you so much. And if you wait right there, I will be right back. Again, go to sloanmcquiston.com. You can find out all the information you need. And it's been a pleasure. I've really have enjoyed our interview. So wait right there for a sec, please. Hey, thanks for enjoying this episode all the way to the end. Please give us a like and subscribe to this channel. This has been a production of PositiveTalkRadio.net. Please visit our website, oddly named PositiveTalkRadio.net, for more details about us and our mission, which is to provide great positive programming designed to inspire us all. I'm Kevin McDonald, and I'm proud of these shows, and I truly hope that you'll like them and share them with friends and family. So on behalf of our entire team, remember... 